This is a survey done by the Barna Group, okay, who have been surveying churches and Christianity for about 40 years. This is the views on faith, sin, and salvation. Now, they've listed all different types of churches up at the top. The first column says all adults there. Okay, it says all adults right here. Then you have evangelicals, Pentecostals, mainline Protestant, Catholic, born-again Christians, other skeptics, then the political ideology, the conservative, the moderate, and the liberal. So we just wanted to throw this up here for you today, just to kind of get, build a foundation. The perspective is this, having faith matters more than which faith you have. 63 of all adults agreed with that. Doesn't matter what faith you have, just so that you have some faith. If you have faith in a light bulb or if you have faith in applesauce, just so you have some faith, okay? Next thing was you consciously and consistently try to avoid sinning because you know that your sin breaks God's heart. 56% concurred with that. And... <clears throat> Uh, you have a personal responsibility in appropriate situations to share your religious beliefs with people who believe differently than you. Only 49% agreed with that. Now then you can see the breakdowns here. Of, and I thought it was interesting. We don't have time to go through all the breakdowns today. A person who is generally, generally good or does enough good things for others will earn a place in heaven. If that's, if that's for real, I ought to have the largest mansion in the other side. Somebody said, you are so nice. You do so many kind things for people and everything. And I'm thinking, you know what? If that's the case, I, I ought to own a whole subdivision. My whole mansion ought to be one subdivision. If I'm doing all this nice stuff and I don't get a nice thing. And, but only 48% agreed with that. And the last one was, you consider yourself to be a Christian and when you die, you will go to heaven only because you have confessed your sins and have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, only 33% concurred with that. Notice over here that 28% uh, of the Catholics believe that, and 100% of the born-again Christians believe that. But then notice how it all breaks down. And it's very interesting. So I threw that up there just to kind of give you an idea of where we are today in society. And society is messed up. I don't know, does anybody realize that? Society is messed up. So I want to come from this perspective today, and I want to talk to you about uh, Isaiah chapter 55. We're going there today. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6 in the New Living Translation. And it says this, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. It's very important. You, you, you don't want to miss your opportunity to find the Lord. Amen? You don't want to miss your opportunity and, and your opportunity to find the Lord and to connect with what the Lord is wanting to do in your life. Because the Lord will keep coming and keep coming and keep coming until one day you push him off enough 
he's going to say, I ain't going back no more. I don't know if he uses English like that, but he probably uses King James. I shall not goeth there no more. Okay? However the Lord does it. Whatever he speaks, King James or however. Southern, east, southeastern Missouri. Okay. Seek the Lord while he, you can find him. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Now that is awesome, isn't it? That's a good word right there. Now, he continues, and the Lord says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Brothers and sisters, we live in flesh, and we live on this earth. And we have to deal with our flesh. Now, my spirit man is born again. Right? Our spirit man is born again. We have received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, into our lives. And it has born again, rebirthed our spirit man. It's like our spirit man lays dormant in us until the Holy Ghost comes in. Then when the Holy Ghost comes in, it resurrects that spirit man. Now that spirit man is inside. And my fleshly man is on the outside. And there's a war going on all the time. All the time. Look at your neighbor and say, all the time. All the time. There's a war going on all the time. There's a war going on of what I need to think and how I need to think. There's a war going on of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. There's a war that goes on of how I need to respond to conflict and how I don't need to respond to conflict. There's a war going on with how I want to deal with ignorance. Y'all, now everybody's got this one. And how you need to deal with ignorance. You got to remember, if they're being ignorant to you, it's just because they are ignorant so just you know why waste your energy you know so there's this constant war going on there's a war going on and there's this fight and there's this battle in our minds you see the battle is not I'm not going to go out of the church today and the devil's going to show up in the parking lot and he and I are going to throw down that's not going to happen if it does, go back to the mud pit back there and you guys have mud wrestling. The devil's not going to do that like that. The devil is not going to attack me, you know, physically like that, maybe on my job or wherever. The majority of the time, the devil attacks me and us right here. He attacks us right here. He attacks our thoughts. He attacks our reasoning. He attacks our our psyche. He attacks everything about us. He tries to throw fear at us. He tries to throw anxiety at us. He tries to throw rebellion at us. He tries to throw all sorts of things at us and against us to pull us down and to make us weak 
and to make us think. Because, listen, our thoughts take care and affect all of our actions. Our thoughts affect all of our bodily functions. Our thoughts, you see what I'm saying? Attack and, and, and influence all of our decisions. So it's where the devil fights. That's why Joyce Meyer wrote a book called Battlefield of the Mind and sold 500 billion copies of it. Because the battle is right here. The Lord says that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So sometimes we get to thinking, I'll do this and it's got to be the Lord when the Lord made him want to do the exact opposite. So let's go on and let's see what some of the Lord's ways and thoughts are today. Okay, here we go. I think so. I want to talk about a burning bush today. A burning bush. There was a burning bush that showed up in a man's life. His name was Moses, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but then the bush was not consumed. So God set down an angel of the Lord on a bush, and the bush caught on fire, and the bush didn't get consumed. That goes against all matters of physics, science. That goes against all, all uh, laws of, of natural thinking. A bush is, when you put something in a fire like wood, it's going to burn. It's going to burn, but the bush did not burn. Why? Because God way, God's ways are not our ways. So we are already, as humans, really, we are moving into and we are in the presence of, and every day you walk in the presence of a God who is totally opposite probably of what we all do. Does that make sense? We walk in the presence of the Lord every day where His ways are not our ways. And we are struggling in this world to get to His ways. And we are struggling to get to His thoughts. And we are struggling to become more like Him. I know probably none of us have ever prayed, Lord, I just want to be like you. If you did pray that and they crucify you at work, didn't you pray that? Lord, I just want to be like you. And you run into somebody you've known for five million years and your best friends, and the silliest little thing destroys that whole friendship. You've just been praying, Lord, I just want to be like you. Well, didn't they crucify him? He came into his own, and his own received him not. They're going to look at his body one of these days, and they're going to look at his hands. They're going to look at the wounds in his hands and the wounds in his feet and his side, and they say, where did you get those? And he said, I got these in the house of my friends. Lord, I just want to be like you. Well, get ready for some crucifixions. Get ready for some denials that they even know you. Get ready for some, for some betrayals that they didn't know you. They traveled the world with you, then they didn't know you at all. They wouldn't and couldn't and shouldn't even identify you in a lineup. Amen. So God's ways are not our ways. So we're walking every day in this conflict 
uh, between walking in our flesh and walking in the Spirit and walking in the power and the kingdom of God. Amen. So Moses sees this bush that's burning. Why? Because it's not being consumed. But that's God's way, not Moses' way. The Red Sea. Let's talk about the Red Sea for a moment. We're going to Exodus chapter number 14. Moses said, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. If you just keep your mouth shut. Why did that, you know, I just got a revelation there. I'll probably have to preach that one. We want the Lord to fight for us, but we keep our mouth flapping. We practice spiritual abortion every day. Wasn't expecting any of this today. That, not, that nap I had in that chair, I had a crick in my neck. You ever had a crick in your neck? We had a crick on the farm. How do you get a crick on the farm and a crick in your neck? Figure that out. How does your nose run and your feet smell? Are we messed up? We are. We commit spiritual abortion because the words of our mouth, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh, the Lord provided this need for me. Praise the Lord. But I got other needs. Well, you know what you just did? If he just provided that need, don't you think he can take care of the others? Moses said, I, the Lord is going to fight for you. Don't say a word. What did your mom always tell you? You know what your mom always told you. If you don't have anything good to say about anybody, don't say anything at all. Maybe your mom didn't say it. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was your grandma. Who knows? Somebody told you that. If you don't, so the Lord's going to fight. Keep your mouth shut. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, go forward. In a few verses up, I didn't put it in there for the sake of time. Moses said, stand still. God says, go forward. I believe God wants us to stand still in, his, in faith in him. Stand in faith. Establish yourself in faith. And when we stand in faith and establish ourselves in faith, we move forward in that faith. We keep walking. Just like this election. We just keep walking every day. We just keep walking every day. No matter what the news says, no matter who's rejoicing, we just keep walking. For it's not really going to matter who becomes president to the church or to God because God puts one up and brings down another. God sets them all in place. The church will continue to be the church. Hopefully the church will get on her, her game and say, you know what, we've got to start doing more repenting. We've got to start doing more seeking God. We've got to start more believing God. Amen? Not only in the church, but each of our lives. And so God says, I want you to go forward. Don't say a word and go forward. So the Red Sea, you know, the Red Sea was sealed up. Moses said, fear not, stand still and see the salvation. He'll show it to you today. And the Egyptians who you see today, you'll see them again no more. And the Lord said, what are you doing? See that verse 13, that verse 15, what are you doing? He said, why are you crying to me? Go forward. Keep moving. Don't stand still. Just keep walking in faith. Just keep moving in faith. Why? Because God's developing his thoughts in us. God is developing his plan in us. Amen. God's developing this. Daniel in the lion's den. 
You know how many nights Daniel spent in the lion's den his whole life? Well, I said that fast, didn't I? One. Daniel was in the lion's den one night. One night Daniel was in the lion's den. How did he get in the lion's den? He walked in, into the lion's den because he prayed three times a day. Because he was doing what he knew to do every day, show up. Some of you have jobs, all you got to do is just show up. When you get there, we don't know what you do. You just but showed up and you get a check. Hallelujah. Those are the ones you want. You know? Years ago, I, was, I was, had the opportunity to work on a side job in paper mills. I worked in some paper mills. I worked in paper mills in Alabama. I worked in paper mills in Pennsylvania. I worked in paper mills or all of, lots of places. And I would watch these guys making 50 bucks an hour sit there and do nothing. And I'm like, I should have got a job in a paper mill. Wow. But I'm going to tell you, it was hot. Amen. Steam, steam generators, all kinds of things going on. You just show up to the job. If you show up, that's 90% of it. If you go to school, that's 90% of going to school. You can get a C showing up at school. All right, all right. Daniel, Daniel shows up, prays morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night, that's all he does. Gets in trouble, ends up in a lion's den. Now the king is Daniel's friend. The king loves Daniel, and he is worried about Daniel. The king commanded, and they brought Daniel. Whoa, hallelujah, glory to God. Went nuts on me. The king commanded, they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake to Daniel and said, Daniel, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. That is awesome for a heathen king to say those words. Apparently, there must have been something about the life of Daniel that that king knew. Daniel, I'm believing everything, son, is going to be all right. Verse 18, the king went to his palace, passed the night fasting. He, there was no instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king rose up very early in the morning and went in haste to the lion's den. He wanted to see what was going to happen. Amen. The world wants to see what's going to happen, and the church had better step up to it. We're going to have to step it up around here. We're going to have to step it up in our walk, daily walks. I got to step it up in my life. I got stuff I got to get done. Amen. I got and I was just informed the other day that I'm old. Thank you. And I was informed I was old by my, my future caretaker, my future nursing home chooser. I said, I'm going to have to change my power of attorney. Amen. He rose up early in the morning. He went to the den, cried with a lamentable voice to Daniel and spake to the king, Daniel, oh, Daniel. Servant of the living God is thy God whom thou servest continually. Notice what he said here. Is thy God whom thou servest continually. Brothers and sisters, I could preach in this sermon here for days. You know what I'm saying? Daniel did it continually. You're supposed to be a servant of the Lord 24-7, 365, all your life, 
Some people just serve God when they get to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. They come in here looking like a saint and leave here looking like the devil in hell on wheels. And you don't have to, nobody has to tell anybody. All you got to do is just watch Facebook. People will tell you exactly what they're doing in their lives. Now, I'm not, I don't believe, I mean, you know, I ain't going to sit down and say, uh, yep, Pastor Tracy here on Facebook. I just had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now I think I'm going to go take a nap. Bro, is that all the time you got? I, I'm not digging this. Continually. He served continually. Was the God that you served continually able to get you and deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said, O king live forever my God sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth and they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocently was found innocency was found in me and also before O king have I done no hurt O king live forever the Lord has taken care of the situation hallelujah this is the God we're serving today brothers and sisters hallelujah Hallelujah. Now, and so, was that the same one? Come on. See, the devil's trying to take me out. What in the world is going on here? Do, do, do. Oh. Ah. A 63-word prayer and fire falls. A 63-word prayer and fire falls. You see, it's not all, and we all think we got to get all religious and we got to do all of this all the time. And there in the Old Testament is a prophet named Elijah, and he prays a 63-word prayer, and fire falls on a sacrifice. Amen? Yes? Yes, yes. And it came to pass, 1 Kings chapter 18, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, the Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the, God, the Lord God and thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. 63 words. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, if you rewind up here about three or four verses, Elijah has really a very, very uh, East Coast attitude on him at that point because he is saying these guys get their sacrifices. There's 850 false prophets there and one prophet of God. 850 false prophets and one prophet of God. And he says, get your sacrifice ready, boys. They get the sacrifice ready. And he said, now nothing happens. They get the sacrifice there, nothing happens. He said, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's on a trip somewhere. Maybe you need to talk a little louder. Maybe you need to scream a little louder. Maybe your God, 
Yeah, and, and still nothing happened. He, and they cut themselves, and they got all mad, and they got all flipped out about it. And he said, now let me build my sacrifice. So he, he said he put the, the, built the stones there, put the altar down. He said, I'll tell you what you do. Why don't you go ahead and get some water? Why don't you dump some water on the sacrifice? I think water will help burn the sacrifice pretty good. So they put water on it. They built a trench, and they had a trench full of water. He said, now let's see what happens. Pray 63 words, and boom! Firefalls. Firefalls. 63-word prayer. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Amen. We serve a God in another dimension, brothers and sisters, that we are not in. We've got to get there. Some way, somehow, we have got to get there. We have got to move in. And there were more, and there were more, and there were more instances all through the Old Testament of what God did that makes no sense to any of us. But God is able. There was a burning, fiery furnace. We talked about that a few weeks ago. There was an axe head that swam. There were the ten plagues on Egypt. The walls of Jericho, they sunk into the ground. I have been to Jericho. I have stood on Jer- in Jericho, and I have seen the walls didn't fall apart. The walls did not crumble. It wasn't a big mass of rubble that the children of Israel had to climb up over and get into the city of Jericho. Those walls sunk into the ground. Now, if you've ever read the book Angels on Assignment by Roland Buck, there were an angel that was there that said, I am the angel that was at Jericho, and I am the angel that pushed the walls of the city into the ground. Now, Day number one, they walked around, and nothing happened. Day number two, they walked around, and nothing happened. Day number three, they walked around, and nothing happened. Most of us would have went home by then. Most of us would have said, would you bring me a vegetable soup and a turkey sandwich? That's what I had for lunch yesterday on my work project. Can anybody heat up some vegetable soup and fix a couple of turkey, turkey sandwiches? And lo and behold, I get a text that said, it's hot and ready. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. See, it's training. I've been training these people for years. Amy's been in training for right near almost 35 years. We're not completely there yet. We've got a ways to go. Megan's been training 29 years on this. she got a long way to go, too. Pray. Pray for me. We went home. We went home. Day number four, they marched, more of us would have left. Hey, and I'm not some superhero. I may have left on day two. You know, day five, day six, day seven. On day seven, not unlisten. We have marched around here six days in a row. And now, today, he wants us to march around it seven times. Are you kidding me? Six times, once a day, for six days, and nothing's happened. And now, he wants us to go around seven times today. See, there is power in obedience. There is power in obedience. And the seventh time around, on the seventh day, that angel pushed those walls and that city down straight into the ground. You see, it just took one angel. 
There's another angel in that book that they said, I'm the one, and another one, here's another one. We, took the, we pulled the wheels off of Pharaoh's chariots in the Red Sea. Our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. And we're trying to get to a dimension where we can see this kind of stuff. And we've got to get into a dimension where we can be a last-day church. And there's more and more and more of all of this stuff that's going on, and I don't have time to go into all of it today. Lazarus in the New Testament was raised from the dead. John eleven forty three. and when he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus! Did you hear that, Art? Come forth! You've heard me say this before. If he would not have specifically said Lazarus, every corpse in that graveyard would have came out. You know why? Because that was the voice of resurrection. Because our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. He raises the dead. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. The woman with the issue of blood. It's all in the same chapter. It's in Luke um, chapter number 8. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. So Jarius is going to get Jesus because his only baby, 12-year-old little girl, is about to die. And he's heard Jesus of Nazareth can heal her. Jesus of Nazareth can raise her up. But in the meantime, a crowd gathers. See, when you got something that people need, you're going to have a crowd. That's what we got to get to. We got to get to a crowd where I'm not just up there telling them, giving them a traffic report. If you're, it's 10.05, and if you're not here by now and you're stuck in traffic, there is no room for you. You had to come to the overflow out by the oak tree. We're piping it out there to you in the service. Hallelujah. Amber, little Amber, before we bought this building, she didn't know we were buying this building. She went to Sister Rhonda, and she said, I don't know what's going on, Sister Rhonda, but I had a dream. Sister Rhonda said, what what did you dream, baby? She said, I dreamed that Megan Zimmerman's dad was standing in the pulpit in our church, and he was preaching. And she said there were people all in the building. The building was packed. They were packed out in the foyer. They were outside trying to get in. There were people everywhere. She did not know that we were trying to build and we were trying to buy. We were buying the building. And Sister Rhonda told me that. She said, I believe, Brother Tracy, that this is a confirmation because nobody in the church knows that we're even talking about this right now. You see, God's got a destiny on this church, and we have to rise up and meet into that destiny. We have to connect with that destiny that God is trying to connect us with. And so here is, here is Jairus trying to get Jesus to come for his daughter, and there's a crowd there, and suddenly a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, she spent all her living on physicians. She, she couldn't be healed of any she grabs a hold of the garment of jesus and jesus stops and he says oh my goodness somebody has touched me and peter said lord you got a crowd around you everybody's touching you and no jesus said no there this touch is different they laid hold of me and i felt virtue power leave my body you see that's the touch that gets the job done 
That's where we're going to have to get in our personal prayer lives. That's where we're going to have to get with fasting. That's where we're going to have to get with our walks with the Lord till we get a hold of God and we can get the job done. Amen? Aren't you tired of just living halfway for the Lord? Aren't you tired of just living partially for the Lord? Aren't you tired of coming to church and there's empty spaces around you? Aren't you tired of praying and praying and the pain doesn't leave? Hallelujah. I remember when I was laying in bed sick back there with all that COVID. I didn't even know I had COVID it yet. Couldn't even curse it. I didn't even know I had it. I just thought I had a sinus infection. I'm laying in bed. I woke up in, in the morning. I slept all night. I woke up in the morning and my eggs were, my, my eggs. Jesus. I think I had this problem before. My legs were aching so bad. I hadn't even been out of bed. I hadn't even been awake. And I had that restless leg. You know what I'm talking about. You get in there, and the other thing that helps it is you stand on your head. If you're in a car like Amy does and Johnny, that must run in their family. That's that bloodline there for some reason. I don't know why. But, or, you, I just got to pray. And so I just started praying, and it didn't leave. And the Lord said, why don't you take authority over it like you used to take authority over pain? I said, oh, yeah. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I come against this pain in my legs, this restless leg syndrome. I curse you. I command you to leave my body in the name of Jesus. And you know what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know what I did? I cried. I tried to call the pastor. Then I remembered I'm, I was he. I is the pastor. And I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus... Pain, you've got to go. Now, in Jesus' name. Hey, it wasn't five minutes and praying, and that pain, whew. And I didn't have those aches the rest of my sickness the time there. How about that? I'm talking about taking authority over things in our lives. I'm talking about starting to walk in victory. I'm starting to talk about walking in a dimension of faith that we're not in right now, that you're not in, but you're hungry for it. The Lord's putting a hunger in you and longing for it. And so Jesus turns around and he touches the woman with the issue of blood and she's healed. Then she go, he goes to Jairus' house and by the time he gets there, the baby is dead. They came out weeping. She's dead, she's dead. He said, she's not dead, she's just asleep. You know what they did? They laughed at him. You know what? He started crying. He got his feelings hurt. He called the presbyter, the district superintendent. They laughed at my ministry. I don't think I can make it any longer. No. He put them all out of the room. I want all the unbelief out of here. You know why? Because it's not going to mix. Faith and faithlessness is not going to mix. Faith and fear is not going to mix. Fear, false evidence appearing real. Fear. Fear hath torment. That's what the Bible says. But perfect love casts out all fear. And God is love. So you start getting God in you, fear's got to go. Well, I got God in me, Pastor, and I'm still afraid. You? Obviously, you ain't got enough God in you. You need to get a little bit more. Amen. Call for another truckload. Come on, God. We need another truckload of God. Get on down here. 
We got to have this. I got to have you. I got to have more. I got to have more. What are you going to do? Well, this is what I want you to do. When I get off the phone with you, I want you to have one hour. I want you to turn on some good praise music, and I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to pray for one hour until you break through. I want you to pray until you break through, until you cry, until you weep, until you have a bucket load of nasal discharge. I want you to get your spirit clean clean. I want you to get your spirit renewed and fresh. I need you to get something, a hold of God. You can't walk around in your own thinking. We can't walk around in our own ways. We have to depend on the Lord and go after the Lord. Amen. It's time. Are we hungry? Are we hungry? Are we hungry? Is anybody hungry around here? There's a resurrection coming. There's a resurrection coming. Now, who in the world would raise themselves from the dead? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Now, notice this beautiful account of the resurrection. Matthew 28. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, which is what? The Sabbath day to the Jews is what? 6 o'clock Friday to 6 o'clock Saturday. What's the first day of the week for the Jews? Sunday. So Jesus rose on Sunday. If he's in the grave three days, he didn't die on Friday. We're not going to fight about that. I'm just going to bust up your theology a little bit. You know, the nativity scenes, we're going to be putting them out. Enjoy them. It's not all biblical, but don't matter. It's okay. It's not going to, it's, you won't die and go to hell looking at the nativity scene. All right. It began to dawn, first day of the week. Here comes Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord. There's one of those angels again, descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and look at this, and look at this last four words, and was sitting on the rock. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I don't know, maybe that angel was from Jersey. How you doing? You doing all right? Who are you looking for? Ah, you're looking for Jesus. Jesus is not here. He has risen. An earthquake. There's Roman soldiers all around. There's a garrison of Roman soldiers making sure that nobody steals the body of Jesus. They were looking for somebody to come from their direction in their way of thinking. But God was sending an angel, dropping him in to roll the stone away from above on high. <laughs> and so when the Marys get there, they see the angel sitting on the rock. He says, he ain't here, he's risen. If you got power to raise yourself from the dead, anything can happen, brothers and sisters. This is the God that we're serving. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. That whole garrison of soldiers fell over like they were dead. Now, I don't know if they were conscious. I don't know if they were fainted. I don't know if they were zapped by the power of the Holy Ghost when, when the angel dropped down and they were, they were, you know, tased. I don't know if they were sitting there shaking. I don't know, but I do know this. They were like dead men. You see, when God gets ready to do his agenda, no man, no plan can stop what God is trying to do. When God gets ready to do something in your life, God is going to do it. Amen? I mean, okay, Dan and Carlita, you guys have been through all kinds of situations and all kinds of deals, and it looked like everything was coming together multiple times and everything would just fall apart, and your hearts were pierced and your soul was, was just slashed. But then out of the blue, when God got ready, no planning, no thinking about it, 
The Lord said, you probably ought to go to Hawaii for a week or two of vacation. Get ready for all what's, what I'm bringing your way. I mean, did, did you get a manual? Megan didn't either. Did anybody get the manual from the hospital when you took that kid home? You don't get manuals. All you get is a crying kid. And they want to cry all night long. All night, all night long, all night. Partying on the ceiling all night long, all night. That's when they want to cry all night long. But you see, when God got ready to put those boys in your life, last Friday we went to a reception. The Trout Brothers. Amen. Not only the Trout Brothers were at the reception, I saw Rod Stewart at the convention, at the reception. I was trying to walk out the door, and this guy walks in tall and thin, and I said, oh, my God, Rod Stewart is here. And I slid over to Danny, and he turned around, and he said, Rod Stewart's here. He must have been reading my mind in the Holy Ghost because that's exactly what I was going to say to him. Did you know Ross? How's Rod Stewart know these boys? You see, when God has a plan, it don't matter what man does. God can bring in Rod Stewart of the Trout Brothers. Amen. He can bring in the Righteous Brothers, whatever it is. God, when God gets ready to move in our lives, it's time for God to move. And nothing, nothing, nothing can stop God from moving in our lives. So, brothers and sisters, get your faith built up today that when God gets ready to do it in your life, God's going to do a big thing in my life. God's going to do an exciting thing in my life. Yes, let's go on because I got to get out of here. I got things to do today. Take a nap. God is with Peter in unexplainable ways. Peter, right? Unexplainable ways. Acts 5, 15, and so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, and at the least a shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one of them. You hear what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? When we get this church full of the power of God, they're coming. They're coming with the sick. They're coming with the demon-possessed. They're coming with the feeble. They're coming with the blind. They're coming with all of them. Why? Because they know that the power is going to be here to heal. And the power is going to be here to set free and deliver. They're coming. Look at your neighbor and say, they're coming. Look at them and say, if it's going to be. Come on, if it's going to be, it's up to me. The early church. The early church was on fire. They were on fire. The day of Pentecost. The lame man at the gate, Peter delivered from prison. Amen. Paul's conversion. On and on and on. God's with Paul in unexplainable ways. I'm getting ready to close. Whoever you got to get up here, maybe we'll just have a big prayer meeting. God's moving in Paul's life in unexplainable ways. Now, let me tell you this. The shadow of Jesus has no anywhere in the scriptures that it ever healed anybody. We don't, we didn't, we don't have any scripture. It may have. Okay? But we don't have scriptural proof that says that the shadow of Jesus healed anybody. But Peter's did. Why? Because Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. Greater things. 
I want God to do some strange and unusual things in my life. Have you, has God ever done anything in your life, and when you look at it, you just can't even believe it? You're just like, wow. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, we're in a situation right now we can't find the title to the suburban, and I need God to show me where the title of the suburban is at. Like God. And you know what? You know why I ask that? Because he's done it multiple times before. Because I pray, Lord, I need to find this. And the next thing I do, I do this. And, well, there it is. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I don't say, well, I found it. Oh, I say, thank you, Jesus. You know, I had somebody one time, Frank, asked me this. He said, hey, I heard you was moving. This is 17 years ago. Heard you was moving. I've lived in the same house for almost 18 years. Heard you was moving. Yeah. This is what the person said to me. I just wanted to jab slap him. He said, now see, that wasn't the Holy Ghost, was it? No. I mean, the oil was running a little low right then. He said, how did you get in that neighborhood? And I said, you ever hear a God? That's how I got in the neighborhood. Because we had looked at that house two years before. And what the people was asking for the house and what the interest rate was on the loan, we couldn't afford it. I said, there ain't no way, Amy. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. Ain't no way. But you know what the Lord did over the next two years? He dropped interest rates. When you start dropping interest rates on a mortgage, that adds up to a lot of money. When it drops by three or four points, And see, thank the Lord, he gave me a brain to understand that. So I kept watching the points. And here's what happened. That house did not sell for two years. It had been on the market for two years before that. You know why it didn't sell? Because God was getting it ready for us. Because we're the one that had a busload of kids. Four bedrooms, three baths. You got to have, oh, yeah. I just look at her and she got pregnant. I said, oh, Lord, have mercy, Amy. What is, what is going, fertile myrtle, huh? And then, then I started, then you know, you know when you go, go to buy a house, then you suddenly hear somebody else is going to buy it. Somebody else wants to buy it. Anybody been there before? You get ready, you got your sights on a house, and then you hear through the grapevine, because you know Van Day, the grapevine is thick, and it ain't very long, right? News travels fast in Vandalia, Illinois. Hallelujah. Okay? Then I heard, watch this now, Danny, I heard somebody from the correctional center was going to buy it. And you know what? The devil says, they've got money. They can offer more. They can pay a bigger down payment. But I said, hold on here. I have the blessings of Abraham. <laughs> Galatians says that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles also. So we went and talked to the people selling the house. Amy and I were hand in hand in the yard until I said, I'm, I'm going to offer her this price. And Amy let go of my hand and walked to the car. Because I shot down about 40000 below what she was asking. You can always go up, but you can't go down. 
and her, the seller's face went white and her mouth dropped open. And I said, that's all right, just pray about it. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. I said, that gives us a starting point. Well, we've been in there 17 years, so the Lord, look how the Lord worked. Amen. God wants to work in your life. We've got to get to the next level. We've got to get to the next level. So that, listen, from the body of Paul, right, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. From his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. We never see anything written about Jesus. This probably is greater works, but it happened. Amen? I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about moving. Some of you need to get a hold of some handkerchiefs, get them anointed, slide them under pillows and mattresses. If you need loved ones saved, hallelujah, you need to get a hold of these these uh, handkerchiefs up here and say, you know what, God, I'm going to use it. If your, boss, if your boss is giving you problems, take a handkerchief and tape it under the underside of his desk. He ain't going to find it until he drops his wallet down there and it has to reach up there and he's going to say, what is that handkerchief doing up there? But he's been working under the anointing this whole time. Hallelujah. He's working under the anointing. Just keep letting Jesus get exposed to him. That's what you got to keep doing. Now I want to talk about communism falling. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to close. I have been fortunate and blessed in my years of ministry to see and to experience some situations. I've been to uh, Eastern Europe three or four times. I've been in Bulgaria. I've been in Macedonia. I've been in Greece. I have friends who lived in Romania. And let me tell you something. When God gets ready to do something, God is going to do it no matter what anybody and any man says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The church was alive and well in Eastern Europe, way back under communism. Nikolai Ceausescu was the dictator of, of, um, of Romania. Tito was the dictator in Yugoslavia. They were, they were communists. They were severely hateful. They, were, they killed thousands and thousands of people. And they were very oppressive. But when communism fell in Romania, this is how it happened. They would take hands, okay? They would hold hands. Husbands and wives would hold hands. They would go down. And in, 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 Europe, in Europe, men and women hold hands. If they're good friends, they will, they will hold hands with each other because that shows that they're close friends. They're not, they're not gay or anything. They're just holding hands. It's that culture. They would go down to uh, the city square, and they would walk around the government buildings at night. Just like, you know, after supper, we're going to go down to the government building. And they would walk around the government buildings. And while they walked around the government buildings, they would pray. They would pray that God would bring down that communistic regime. They would pray that God would get rid of the dictator that the churches would be able to come up above ground. They wouldn't be underground anymore. They wouldn't have to worship in secret. Hallelujah. And listen, I'm telling you, when it happened, it happened. There was a prophecy that went forth in a little town in the western part of Romania called Timisoara. And, the, and, the, and it said this. It said, The fire of the Lord will begin in Timisoara, and it will burn all the way across Romania to the capital. When the revolution started, it started in a little town of Timisoara, Romania, and it went all the way to the capital. And on Christmas Day, like 1989, they, the people caught Ceausescu. He was trying to flee in a helicopter. They caught him, and they did what they needed to do. They took him out. And suddenly there's all these churches that start arising. There were 15 and 20 
thousand member churches that would rise up and it would be there. They were underground. They were under communist rule, and there were 20,000 strong churches still under the power. You see, communism cannot stop the gospel. Communism and socialism cannot stop the gospel. It doesn't matter what Kim Jong-un does in North Korea. It doesn't matter what they do in China. There's still the church of the living God is still there, and we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. Now, in Bulgaria, they would. this is how they would meet. They would meet in a house, okay? I get this firsthand from Brother Alinkoff. Brother Alinkoff's been here and he's preached before. They would come in and they would go to a house and they would have a church meeting. And at the end of the church meeting, they say, we will see you next time. That's all they say. And I said, but Brother Brother Alinkoff, you said they will see you next time. Well, when's the next time? He said, the Lord will show you. The Lord would tell every church member to go to Sister Teresa's house next Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It wouldn't be announced. It wouldn't be on social media. Social media didn't exist at that time. Phones and walls still did. Newspapers, magazines, you know, all that ancient stuff. And everybody would show up at 7 o'clock at Teresa's house and have church. The reason they, and this, when they got ready to leave Teresa's house, they said, we'll see you next time. The reason they didn't say is because they weren't sure and did not know if there were any government KGB personnel in the congregation. And if they would have said, okay, well, next Wednesday night we're meeting at Terry's house, 7 o'clock. Well, what's going to happen? They all get in the, Terry's house. And then here comes the authorities, and they arrest them, and they take their Bibles and songbooks, and they shut them down. You don't realize what Brother Linkoff, he was, he's an ex-con. I got an ex-con preaching for us. He's been arrested. How many times have you been arrested, Brother? I was, I, was, I was nervous one day. I said, oh, my Lord, I'm going to get arrested. He said, oh, so what, Brother? So what, Brother Tracy? What do you mean, so what? I said, I don't want to get arrested. All he said is nothing. I said, well, how many times have you been arrested? Oh, he said about 300 times. You've been arrested 300 times. Yes, he said it was nothing. He said, they take your stuff, and then you go to jail, spend some time there, and then they come get you. He said, it's nothing. Well, he's also the one that when he was in the army, they found out he was a Christian, and his commanding officer took him up into the mountain and was going to shoot him. And he's down on his knees, and the officer is behind him with a gun to his head. And Brother Linkoff, he's getting ready to go see Jesus. And he, he hears the gun drop. He turns around, and his commanding officer is as white as a sheet, headed back to the car. He said, get in the car. So on the way back to the base, he said, I thought you were going to shoot me. He said, I couldn't shoot you. He saw, I saw your bodyguard. He was 10 feet tall. That's the realm. But you see, they have to go through hardships. They either had hot water or heat in the wintertime. You didn't have both. You either had hot water or heat. And they went through hard times. But guess what? It all fell. It all fell. Because 
of praying people and people walking into it. And it's going to happen all over the world. God's getting ready for the end time, and he's getting us ready for the end time. And I'm closing with this. I'm closing with this right here. If I get it to turn. There's my friend. There's my friend. Bishop Ricky Zaragoza in the Philippines. I preached nine times in seven days. I'm going to tell you something. When I finished that ninth time, they said, you want to preach one more time? I said, not really. I gave him a vulgarity, not really. Not really, I'm tired. Okay, Bishop Zaragoza starts his church. He's meeting in a little storefront building, and he's outgrowing that. And down just a few blocks away from where the church meets, there's a big open area. And that's where, now, that's where they have cockfights, okay? Chicken fighting in the Philippines is legal, okay? You know, here they go to the gas station and pull the slots. There they have chicken fights, okay? It's all legal. And he was driving by there one day, and the Lord said, I'm going to give that lot to you. I'm going to, you're going to get that lot. We're going to put the church there. So he kept driving by and driving by, and he kept thanking the Lord for it. And every Friday night, they would have cockfights there. And so finally, he felt like, I'm going to go down there, and while they're, they're doing the chicken fights, I'm going to just walk around and pray. So he walked around, and he prayed. And people say, what are you doing here? You're not, you're not betting on chickens. You're not, you didn't bring any chickens to fight. Oh, he said, I'm just thanking the Lord. He said, we're going to build our church here. Well, he got back to the owners of the, of the land. And they were very mad, and they said, you're not going to build your church here. This is our lot, and we're going to, we intend to stay here. And he said, okay, Lord, you've got to do what you've got to do. And so he said, a few Friday nights later, there came a huge thunderstorm and the thunderstorm was only over the neighborhood where those lots were and they couldn't have the chicken fights because there was flooding too much rain and he said all around town it was sunny except for that place down there and he said the next week the same thing happened he said it happened for several months till finally they had to shut down the chicken fights because the owners went bankrupt because they couldn't afford it because they didn't have any business because they weren't having the chicken fights and they call bishops there it goes and they say how much are you going to give us for this they told him they said okay we'll take it so he gets the land hallelujah now i'm telling you what he told me so then they got the land but it's a small congregation and they don't take out money from a bank. In the foreign nations, they don't go get loans and pay interest on it for 5 million years like we do. That's why the banks are the tallest buildings in our cities. Amen. Just to give you a little, that's a little tidbit there. All right. And so he keeps driving by, and finally he, he goes home one day after work, and he asks Ming, who's his church secretary, Ming, how much money we got in the bank. She told him, he said, we can't do, no, we can't do nothing with that. We don't have any money. God, you're teasing me. 
you told me all about this land. You gave it to us, and now you're just teasing us. And so the Lord said, go to Jeremiah. He said, I was sitting on the steps. I went up to the bedrooms and to my office, and he said, I was just sitting there. He said, I was feeling sorry for myself. And he said, Lord, we don't have any money. You give us this land. You're teasing us. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. And the Lord said, go to Jeremiah 33.10. He said, I had to look it up. Jeremiah 33.10. It <laughs> says, call unto me, and I will answer thee. <laughs> okay. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And then the Lord said, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then he said, I put in the last number. He said, I needed one more number. He said, that was seven, because that's the number of God, seven. So he said, as I was sitting there on the steps, I picked up my cell phone. And you know that we have different carriers here. One of the carriers there is called Globe Communication. Their code was 0917. So he said, I got down, uh, got my phone, and he said, I texted to this number, 0917-333-6337. Globe, Jeremiah 33-3, Matthew 6 and God's number seven. And he said, I texted a long text, and he said, you know, I have this land. I don't have any money to build the church building on. Lord, you said you'd give it to me. I don't know what to do. People don't have money in the church. We don't have any money. Let's all stand. People don't have any money in the church. We don't have any money in the treasury. We can't build this. I don't know what you're doing, Lord. I wish you'd do something. He said, I typed it all out. And he said, I hit send. He said, you know how you, when you send something and it's not the right number, you know how fast it comes back? He said, it, it never came back. He said, I don't know where it went, but somebody got my text. He said, just got ready, went to bed. <laughs> I can't hardly say it because I'm excited. Got up the next morning, and he said, I got, I got your text. Check your bank account. There's 250,000 pesos in the bank account. That's more than enough to start your church building. And right there is the church building. I preached in that church. Probably two to three hundred people in that church. Guess what? I got your text. $250,000 in your account. That should be enough to get things started. Guess what? God wants us to live in the miraculous as well. God wants us to live in the miraculous as well. And God's going to do that with us. Because some people in here are going to get radical for Christ. Some people in here are fixing to get bold. Some people in here are fixing to get hungry for the Spirit. Hungry for a move of God. You know what? If it takes all night prayer, 
I'll pray all night, Lord. If it takes fasting 30, 40 days, I'll fast 30 or 40 days. Some of us need to start asking, start seeking, start knocking. Yes. Yes. God's wanting to do something in Family Worship Center. It's time for us to ask. We need to ask, Lord, we need to make me an intercessor. Make me a prayer warrior. I'm telling you, the Lord sent intercessors in here, but the devil has taken them out because they didn't pay attention and they weren't wise and understand the times. Guess what, folks? Anointed to fast. Some of, somebody in here is going to get a fasting anointing on them. Somebody in here is going to get an anointing on them to fast three days a week or to fast seven days a month. I don't know who you are or what's going on, but I do know that the Lord does anoint people to fast. There's going to be people that are going to be anointed to praise. You're going to come in here and you're going to help lead us in praise. You're going to help lead us. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about up here. I'm talking about you're going to lead us up front here. You're going to lead us in your pew. I'm hearing lots of people clapping now. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, it's time to get out of where we came from. We all came from those churches. They didn't clap. They didn't raise their hands. They didn't do any of that. But guess what? You've been set free. You've been liberated. You're now walking in a Holy Ghost relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. And I want somebody, I need somebody to get radical and start praying. God, give me dreams. Give me prophetic dreams. Give me visions, Lord. We don't have it because we don't ask for it. We don't have this kind of stuff because we're not asking for it. God, give me dreams. Let me see in the future. Let me see how Daniel saw. Let me see the vision, God. And let me see the vision so I can write it down and make it plain. And all that re read it can read it and run and go with it. Hallelujah. Family Worship Center, we're moving to the next level. We're moving to the next level. We're asking God for the strange and the unusual. The strange and the unusual. You know what? If couples can walk around the government buildings in, in Romania and Timisoara and in Bucharest and they can walk around and they can pray a government, a communistic government that's been in business for 45 years down, guess what? God can use us to shake the areas that God puts us in. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God give us strange and unusual. Strange and unusual. Oh, you talk about strange. I got your text. I got your text. There's 250,000 pesos in your account. Where do you think that text went? He said, I had to look at Jeremiah 33.3. I didn't know what Jeremiah 33.3 said. When you call me, I will answer. Uh-huh. God's wanting to use us. God's wanting to use us, Family Worship Center, for his glory. What's it going to be written about us? Now, if you're hungry for any of this, come on up front real fast. If you're hungry for it. If you're not hungry for it, if you're not hungry for the strange and unusual, don't, don't go. But if you want in on what God's going to do, if you want in, listen, like I, said, like I said last night, I had a thought I've been working on all week. It was really nice. It was a nice thought. It was a good thought. At least I thought it was. And man, when I was trying to wake up in that chair, the Lord started downloading. And when he was downloading, I'm like, oh, oh my, oh my. And I had to look for those slides. Those slides are from 2015. There goes this church. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to lift our hands in just a moment. And we're going to say, Lord, give me the strange and unusual. 
And whatever area I may have hit on, if I've hit on intercession and you want the Lord to use you in intercession, that's what you pray for. If you want the Lord to use you in fasting, if you feel the Lord leading you in that, that's what you pray for. I need an anointing to fast. Amen. Whatever it is, Lord, I need an anointing to praise. I want to praise you, Lord, like pastor's been talking about, but I just don't know how to get there. Then, Lord, give me that anointing, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to lift our hands, and we're going to begin to pray right now, and they're going to sing. One, two, three. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we have lifted our hands to you, God, praying for the strange and unusual in the name of Jesus. Praying for the strange and the unusual in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm praying what's coming to me right now. Eleven years ago, Lord, you gave us this building and this property, 13.8 acres. You gave us 13.8 acres. You didn't give it to us, Lord, just to mow grass. You didn't give it to us, Lord, just to have a parking lot. You gave it to us, Lord, to house a harvest. And Lord, I know the dreams that have been dreamed about this place. And I know the words of prophecy that have been spoken over this place. So, Lord, I pray that you would position this church and this property into, Lord, your divine appointment, your divine plan, your divine agenda in the name of Jesus. That, God, this will be an end-time soul-saving station in the name of the Lord. That this will be an end-time house for a harvest in the name of the Lord. That this will be a command center, God, of churches going out from this place and being established in the name of Jesus. For, Lord, that's been prophesied. That's been spoken over this church. That has been spoken over this church. That this church, Lord, would birth other churches. So, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. You help us, Lord. You help us, Lord. You show us the way in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, and I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for those that are feeling that call to intercession. Lord, stir up that gift in the name of Jesus. Stir up that gift in the name of Jesus. Stir up that intercession in the name of the Lord. Those that have been praying about fasting. God, maybe they've been praying already about fasting. Whatever it is, Lord, lay it on them in the name of Jesus. Give them the anointing to begin to fast. Give them the anointing that will break the yokes. It's the anointing that breaks the yokes. It's the anointing that destroys the yokes. Lord, let the anointing, the smearing of the oil, come on us in the name of Jesus. Come on us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, anointed to pray. Anointed to intercede. Anointed to fast in the name of the Lord. Oh, come on, I feel a breaking on somebody right now. I'm feeling a breaking right now on somebody. God didn't bring you here by accident. God didn't put you here by accident. He brought you here on purpose. He brought you here with a divine plan and a divine agenda in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Lord, those worshipers, those praisers, anoint them to praise. God, put that anointing in them to let them begin to break God. And Lord, when they begin to move, that will break the whole worship service open. That will break the power open. Just like taking the finger out of a dike to the hole of a dam. Oh God, let this place be filled with your praise. Let the people, Lord, be anointed with praise. Come on now. Yeah, somebody call it. Somebody call it in on you. 
Don't be afraid you're worthy. Don't be afraid you're worthy. Call it on you. Lord, anoint me to worship. Lord, anoint me to teach a Bible study. Anoint me, Lord, to praise. Anoint me, Lord, to fast. Anoint me, Lord. Oh, God. And, Lord, I don't know what your plan is. But, Lord, I just pray that you would lead Brother Johnny and his family from Laos. You brought them to this church. Lord, you know that we are willing to go. You know that we're willing to teach via Zoom and Skype. We're willing to do whatever. If we got to go to Laos, we'll go to Laos. God, do you have works in Laos for us to raise up? Do you have a work in Laos for us to raise up in the name of Jesus? Whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, you call it in, Lord. We call it in, you provide it. Come on, brothers and sisters, before it's all over, just keep calling it in. Call in that anointing. Call in that ministry. Call it in. Strange and unusual. Dreams and visions, God. I release dreams and visions, prophetic dreams and visions on my brothers and sisters. In the name of Jesus. Dreams of vision. Dreams of warning. Dreams of direction. You said, Lord, in the last days, you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters would prophesy. Young men would see visions and old men would dream dreams. Lord, let a spirit of prophecy and anointing of prophecy rest on our children in the name of Jesus. Let prophecy rest on our children in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I keep praying in the spirit. Expand it, Lord. 
Let the heavens break forth. Let the fountains of the deep burst, God, and give their resources. Lord, 